Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Have you ever asked someone if they're a Christian and they tell you, yeah, I'm a Catholic? And then you ask them, oh, cool, like where do you go to church or where do you go to mass? And they just look at you blankly like they don't understand the question. And they call themselves a Catholic or they call themselves a Christian, but they've never been to church. They've just been maybe christened or their grandma was a Catholic or something like that. And then you'll meet someone who says, yeah, I'm a a practicing Catholic. I'm a practicing Christian. I love that idea that we can actually be practicing Christians. We talk about following the way of Jesus, and there's two kind of guardrails to that. What does it look like in everyday life to follow the way of Jesus? It means gathering with other believers. You cannot be a believer on your own. Christianity is a communal sport. You need community around you. And it's practicing. It actually outworks itself in your everyday life. Uh, We're going through this series, uh, the six core practices that we really feel led to call, uh, to come back to again and again as a church. And all of these in different seasons will look like different things for you. And uh, we want to tackle the the six practices. They are on the screen. Uh, Sabbath, prayer, scripture, hospitality, serving, generosity. These are the six practices that we feel convicted to just come back to again and again. You'll hear us talk about these over and over again because they do thing different things to us. They enlarge our souls in different ways. You'll notice the first three are more inward type uh, practices, prayer, scripture, Sabbath. It's hard to clean cut it like that. And the last three are more outward, hospitality, serving, generosity, And both these things enlarge our soul, this kind of inward and outward movement. And you'll notice as you begin to try and practice these different habits that some of these come naturally to you because of your disposition, maybe to your your upbringing, maybe you're an introvert or an extrovert. Some of these things are, are more natural to you. They're like downstream practices. It's like sort of swimming in a, in a river and it just takes you down. It's just sort of easy. And some of them are like swimming upstream. They go against kind of your nature. And we need both of those things because they work different muscles in us. And so we are going through a six-week series on these six practices. Uh, last week, we had Nick Casser here talking about Sabbath. And this week up on The agenda is prayer, but I just wanted to take uh, most of this morning to give a bit of an overview to this idea of practicing. What does it actually mean to practice? Then we're going to hit land and hit prayer on the end. We are in the season in the liturgical church calendar of Eastertide, which is the season between the resurrection of Jesus, between Easter and between his ascension. So there's 40 days where Jesus in his resurrected body was walking around with his disciples. And it's like this 40-day adjustment for the disciples of trying to work out what resurrection life looks like in real life, just sort of normal life. We know that Jesus kind of walks through walls and does crazy stuff like that. He does miracles, but he also shows them the scars in his hands and eats breakfast with them. And so like resurrection life actually plays itself out in real life. And as followers of Jesus, this is true for us as well, that Easter what we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, is not just a one-off event, but actually plays itself out in our everyday life, in the way that we use our bank account, in the way that we use our time, in the way that we raise our kids, in the way that we use our calendar. So 
If you want to turn with me, I think it's going to be on the screen too. Matthew chapter 7. This is a little story Jesus uses to finish his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Many scholars believe it's the most important collection of Jesus' teachings. And this is how he finishes it. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Next verse. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the way that Jesus chooses to end his most famous collection of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, the little story, those who hear these words and put them into practice. Uh, and a lot of time, we'll read that verse and think about like building our life on the rock and we, talk, we think it means Jesus. But he's actually talking about the words he just spoke. So what's the words he spoke? He, he spoke in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He talked about the poor are blessed. He talked about the salt and light, that we are meant to be an alternate community, a counterculture, like a city on a hill. He talks about forgiveness and reconciliation. He talks about a sexual ethic around um, adultery, around lust, around divorce. He talks about let your, let, your, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He talks about turning the other cheek and enemy love. He talks about prayer and fasting. It's where we get the Lord's Prayer in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about putting the kingdom first in your money and your time. He talks about not judging others. And then he talks about, you know, the golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And then he says, of all that stuff, whoever puts that into practice, these words into practice, will be like the person who built their life on a solid rock. These are not just things to believe, but things to put into practice. Now, talk like this tends to get people that have grown up in evangelical-ish churches a little bit prickly because we remember uh, the, the phrase from Ephesians 2, 8. It's come from the Reformation, uh, a very important verse, a very powerful verse. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the, the German theologian in the 1500s, led the Reformation against the Catholic Church. And this verse, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. And we talk a lot about salvation by faith alone, that the only way that we can get saved is by faith and by grace. And it's against earning your salvation, and, and rightly so. It's about saying that you cannot work your way to God. You cannot practice your way to God. We didn't earn it or deserve it, but that's not the whole story. When you read the Scriptures and you read a verse like this, when Jesus just lays out, three chapters of stuff to do and says, put these things into practice, we get a very different picture. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me. Not believe in me, but follow me with your feet, with your time, with your energy. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's a pretty scary verse, isn't it? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We think salvation is by grace alone. Why do we have to work it out? Notice it says work, work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. It's very different. We're going to look at that distinction in a second. 
1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. It's going to be on the screens. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. It talks about training. Physical training is good. Going to the gym is good, but working and training towards godliness, becoming like Jesus, is even better. Notice again, it's by training, not by trying. And then James chapter 2, verse 7. It says, so you see, faith by itself is not enough. So that, that verse in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith. But this says, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. So what's going on here? Is it salvation by grace alone, or do we actually have to work for our salvation? Well, as always, it is, it is both. It's salvation and the other kind of churchy theological word for it is sanctification. Salvation and sanctification, two aspects of the Christian life. Salvation is the moment that Jesus comes, forgives us, welcomes us into resurrection life. And there is nothing we can do to earn that. There's nothing you can do to earn that. There's nothing you can do to earn God's approval, His love, His affection. He gives that freely. That is salvation. By Jesus' life, death, resurrection, He invites us into resurrection life. That is salvation. But that, the story doesn't end there. It goes on to sanctification, which is the process in which we become more like Jesus. The process in which we become like the kingdom people that Jesus wanted us to live out. Jesus talked about the kingdom more than anything else. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about the kingdom ethic. This is what the new kingdom looks like. Enemy love, forgiveness, generosity, prayer, fasting, putting the kingdom first, doing unto others what you would have them do to you. There is a kingdom ethic. Jesus has come to set up a new government and a new reign, and this is the sort of people that he's called us to be. And so if we actually want to live in the kingdom, live in heaven, we actually have to conform to a different way of being, where we are not selfish anymore, we're not getting our own way, but our our souls begin to be turned outward. Salvation and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. Salvation, we cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. We cannot work our way into salvation. We cannot work our way into healing. But sanctification is the walking out of that. A couple of weeks ago at Easter, I shared the story from Scripture of Jesus going up to a man who hadn't been able to walk for 38 years, and he bends down and he says, do you want to get well? Seems like a stupid question, but the man says yes. He says, of course I want to get well. And so Jesus picks him up, and his legs are healed, and then he says, take your mat and, and go and walk. And that right there is the perfect picture, I think, of the Christian life. That salvation, that Greek word that we use for saved and healed is the same word, sozo. Salvation and healing are the same thing. And when you ever hear someone got saved, someone uh, experienced salvation, it's the same word, is healing. That we are actually integrated and whole. And that work is completely by Jesus. The healing that came from that man, there's no way that the man could have healed his own legs. It comes completely from Jesus, but then he says, go and walk, go and walk out this new life. And so I I fear for some of us 
that we've said yes to Jesus in the sense that he's healed our legs, but then we've just sat back down where we sat for 38 years. And now it never actually walked out our faith. And so the act of practicing, actually living out, putting into practice what Jesus says, is the act of walking on our new legs, of living out a new life. Now, it's important to note that practice and performance are different. Now, performance is a, mean, uh, a means in itself, right? If you go to a performance, that's kind of the end goal. People look at me, I've been doing this thing, I can do a performance. Like when we're performing, we're doing it for other people. But practice is a means to an end. And the end is Jesus. The end is union with him. The end is becoming people of love, becoming people that live out the ethics and the values and the beauty and the grace and the creativity of the kingdom. Do you want to get well? Salvation is Jesus as our Savior. Sanctification is Jesus as Lord, Jesus as the King, a new people, a new kingdom, a new ethic. So the question then becomes, can you be saved without practicing? Can you, can you be a Christian can you be saved, welcome into the kingdom without actually walking it out? Well, I guess so. There's a guy next to Jesus as he was being crucified, the thief on the cross, and Jesus turns to him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't actually walk out his faith. He didn't do anything. He didn't pray. He didn't fast. He didn't give away any money, yet he was still welcomed into the kingdom of God. I guess you can be saved without practicing, but my question would be, why would you want to? It's like the man who got healed, stood up, and walked out his new life. Why would you want to? You actually can become like Jesus. And I I think sometimes we're brought into the lie that we just are who we are. You know, our Enneagram type or our Myers-Briggs, it's just who I am. That's just who I am. But actually, the invitation of the kingdom is that we can become more like Jesus, the most loving, joyful peaceful person to ever walk the earth. We actually can experience a more loving life, a more joyful life, and a more peaceful life. That is the, the invitation of Jesus into the kingdom. And the second reason I think it's really important for us to practice our faith is because when the storms come, it's really important to have a solid rock. That story that Jesus told said that if you practice the words, it's like you're building your foundation on solid ground. And, you know, I'm a pastor. I get to sort of experience and walk through a lot of things with you guys, with a lot of different people, tragedies that come, you know, marriage troubles, financial struggles, the cancer diagnosis. And I tell you what, it is night and day between people who actually live out their faith, who actually practice their faith, uh, when that thing comes, when the inevitable bad thing comes in life, the, the struggle, the pain, the bad news, the loss, the people that actually are practicing, putting Jesus' words into practice and crafting out a life of prayer and connection with him and uh, spending time in scripture, just do so much better when they face those things. It doesn't make it easier, doesn't make it better, doesn't make it more understandable, but actually your, your feet are on solid ground. You know, when everything around the story of Job in scripture you know, when everything, he, he loses everything, he loses his family, his kids, his money, every, his health, everything goes. And yet the one solid thing he has is connection to, the, to God. The one true constant thing in all creation. And so it's practicing out. Like the end goal is actually life with Jesus, union with Jesus, life with him. And even if everything else in our world crumbled, 
we would still have that constant. That's the beauty and the invitation of the kingdom. Practices are, to the spiritual life, like what a date night is to marriage. You can be married and not have a date night, for sure. But Jesus helps when tough times come, when you've cultivated a space to connect with your your spouse, when you've crafted out time to connect with the person that you're married with. You can, you can be married without it for sure, but geez, it helps. Or practices are like stacking firewood for a fire, getting ready to light a fire. The firewood doesn't bring the flame, but Jesus, it, it feeds it. It creates space for it. When it comes to practices, I am learning more and more. I've been on a big journey with this over the last 12 months, that prayer is actually at the heart of the spiritual life. That prayer is actually the thing behind every other thing. Because prayer is the relational space between me and God, my talking to, my listening to, my being with God. And prayer is putting the presence of God back into the heart of our spiritual life. And without prayer... I notice this over and over again with people in my own life. Without prayer, the other practices just become rote and religious and legalistic. Without prayer, your scripture reading, I was talking uh, to someone just before that like on the Bible plan, sometimes you can get so obsessed with ticking off the little boxes. You got little boxes to tick every week. And if you don't like tick the boxes, then you feel bad about yourself. And then you like get into a spiral. Without prayer, the connection of of the relationship between you and God, that just becomes like a little religious ticking off, another thing to make you feel good about yourself. And reading scripture just becomes another means of like getting more information in the hope that I'll change, just an information exchange, rather than how is the living God going to speak to me today? How is his word going to breathe into me today? Prayer is the heart of the spiritual life. And we've been talking this year about greenhouse becoming a house of prayer, a place where prayer is front and center. We talked about that Corey Ten Boom quote that says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare wheel? The thing that drives your life or the place you go to when everything else runs out. And we have been going through a process and are continuing to go through a process of putting prayer back from the spare wheel and into the steering wheel, the driving engine of our church, the very thing that animates what we do and what we don't do. And so, um, in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to have a 24-hour prayer room. And I'm really excited about this. We're going to deck the space out, these meeting rooms in here and probably some spaces out here, um, as creative spaces over a 24-hour period all through the night. And there'll be butcher's paper and different exercises to do. And we're going to have 24 hours of nonstop prayer over the weekend of Pentecost, which I love because, um, you know, the disciples were meeting in the upper room praying as the Spirit came. And I love that over the weekend that we celebrate the coming of the Spirit, we're going to be in the upper room, in the side room, or somewhere, wherever we are, uh, waiting for the presence of God to fall. Praying that God would renew us and our souls, our families, our homes, our neighborhoods, the people that we know that don't yet know Jesus, our church. We want to put prayer back into the heart, the driving seat of our church. And so uh, the way it will work is you'll be able to sign up for an hour um, and it will be creative. If you've never prayed for an hour, it's totally fine. There's going to be music and it's going to be, you, you will enjoy it. I promise it will be good. And so um, 
It's, and then we're going to have communal hours where we might have some, some more worship and there might be more people around. We're going to have some spaces where kids can do some prayer practices as well. And then we're going to cap off the weekend with a Holy Spirit night. And we're sort of going to bring everything together, everything God's been speaking to us. We're going to have scribbles all over the walls. And I'm sure God's going to speak to us collectively through that. And so I actually really am profoundly excited for this as a church. I think it's a stretch for us. It's a new season for us. And it's a, it's a practical way for us to put prayer back into the steering wheel of our church. We don't want to just be driven by good strategy or good marketing or white walls and leaves. We want to be driven by the presence of God. And so I would love for you to consider and pray about signing up for one of those. Um, I reckon the most, the most profound hours will be through midnight to like 5 a.m., and if you don't sign up, I will. It's going to be good. So um, in, on the QR code, there is actually a sign-up link, and you can sign up. You can tick that you want it to be like just you in the room. You can book it for yourself, or you want to, might want to grab a little group of people and you want to have it exclusively for you. Or if you don't tick that, other people can book in as well. There might be other people around. Um, but we will continue to talk about that more, but I would love for you to be part of that, May 27th and May 28th. I actually have a feeling that we might need more than the 24 hours, so we'll see how we go, but get your space in. If you're keen for that, book it in, and it's going to be good. Pete Gregg says, the prayer room to the church what the heart is to the body. The prayer room, the prayer life is to the church what the heart is to the body. Prayer is the engine room of the church. Would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7 again, if you guys can throw it back up. Come and we'll stand and I'll read this and then we'll pray. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus, I thank you that you came with the words of life. That you have come not just as Savior, which we are so grateful for, that you have given us through your grace, through your action, through nothing that we deserve. You've invited us into this kingdom life. But thank you that you are a teacher and a Lord as well. And so I pray that we would be people, we would be a church to actually live out your words, that we would put into the things that you've said, you've taught, we'd put them into practice. And in doing so, we'd build a solid foundation for our life, that when the wind comes and the waves crash, that we would be standing in good stead. Jesus, I just pray right now against any hint of performance where we feel like we're trying to get your attention. I pray against any hint of shame where we hear something like this and we just feel like when our life's a mess and we're not good enough and we're not measuring up. Father, I pray that you would breathe your grace and your loving arms into that. Jesus, I thank you that there is nothing that we could do that would make you love us more or make you love us any less. There's nothing we could do that would make us any more accepted than we already are. 
Thank you that you have welcomed us in with open arms. But may that love transform us, change us. I pray against demonic activity that would want to come and and take that away from us. That would want to speak lies that we live out. Jesus, I pray that we will be people that practice love and joy and peace. There would be people that would have ever-enlargening souls. That our inner life would grow and so would our outer world. That we really would be like a city on a hill, salt and light. Because we have a, a changing, growing, morphing, transforming relationship with you in our inner worlds. May that spill out into our hospitality and our generosity and our service and the way that we treat people and the way that we work and the way that we raise our kids and the way that we hang out and the way we use our time. We cannot do this on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. We want to become people of your kingdom, not of our own kingdom. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you breathe upon us? Would you bring us to life? We know that your fruit, love, joy, and peace is your fruit. It's your work. And everything we do is just opening up space for that. So I pray right now that you would speak to us. Maybe you would challenge us on one of those habits. Maybe you would challenge us on prayer this morning. Maybe you would speak to us about signing up for the prayer room or developing a little rhythm or habit of praying for others or having time of silence and solitude or fasting, or whatever it is. May we be people that walk towards you.